Some of our students are already at school. Some are starting this week. And I thought I'd uh, have a back-to-school sermon this year. I didn't have one last year, so I thought I would do that this year. And, uh, you know, we have to make a conscious decision to follow Jesus. We have to be 100% dedicated to him. And uh, as we've already read this morning with the scripture reading, we must hear the words of Jesus and act upon them. And so my question is, have you decided to follow Jesus this year at school? Uh, you, you may say, oh, I followed him last year and really not thought about it too much. But I, I'm asking you to think about it, to make a conscious decision, to decide in advance, to make up your mind, I'm going to follow Jesus. Satan hopes that you've not made that decision, and Satan hopes you're not prepared. He's hoping maybe, you know, you just get started with school, you've not quite made up your mind, or maybe just not made that decision. You're just sort of going into it without hardly thinking. He's just hoping maybe he can just sneak up on you. Turn your Bibles with me over to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. I'm not going to be talking about scriptures that are new to you this morning. But, but as we talked about in our young adults class, it's good to turn to these. I want every person that can to turn to these scriptures and to read them and see what the Word of God says. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Here, here Peter uses an analogy that Satan is like a lion. And I want to talk about that analogy a little bit and maybe expand upon it a little bit. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary. Now, now some of you may say, well, I don't have an enemy in the world. I'm friends with everybody. Wrong. You are enemies with at least one, and that is the devil. He prowls like a lion, roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, we've got to stay away from him as much as we can. There are going to be times we can't avoid it. Temptation is going to come our way. And we have to be strong enough to defeat him when he does attack and when we are tempted. Well, let's talk about this analogy. First of all, Satan likes to camouflage himself. Now, I'm sort of zoomed in on this picture. You can see this little lion here. But you can imagine if you were not zoomed in, if you were maybe 100 yards or 200 yards or 300 yards away, he would be pretty hard to see. Satan is like a lion. He likes to camouflage himself so he can sneak up on you and surprise you, just like a lion likes to surprise his, his prey. Go with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to see, let's see what the Apostle Paul says about Satan and his working and his servants. And he uses this word disguise. Satan isn't going to, to make it evident what he's doing, what he's trying to do, the tricks he's trying to play on you, the deceptions. He's not going to just come out and say, hey, I'm trying to trick you. I'm trying to deceive you. No, he's going to disguise it. Let's see what the Apostle Paul says. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. Paul was afraid of something. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve, by his craftiness your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity 
of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom, you've, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. So Paul is worried that just as Eve was deceived by this serpent that came up, and he sort of he went, he sort of asked some innocent questions, pretended to be innocent, pretended like he didn't know the answer, and really trying to lead her in a direction maybe she hadn't even thought of before, and to set forth temptation. Go a little bit further down in verse thirteen. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. They're disguising themselves. They're camouflaging themselves. They're they're back there trying to look like they're somebody or something that they're not. So that all of a sudden they can just surprise you or take you captive, like we talked about Sunday night, take you captive through philosophy and empty deceit and the traditions of men before you even know what's going on. Now verse 14. No wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their, to their deeds. Those servants in verse 13, those false apostles and deceitful workers disguising themselves, they're disguising themselves as workers of righteousness, servants of righteousness, so that they can take advantage of people. Satan also prowls about. He's looking for one who is vulnerable that he can devour. I thought about, but it's too graphic. Maybe you've seen it before on the Discovery Channel or something like that. You've seen, seen like some animals who are looking to take advantage of a prey. And it may be a pack of animals. And what do they do? They, they may circle around this group, this group of animals, and they're trying to just lure one away or try to catch one who gets away from the pack just a little bit so that then they can take advantage of the one. They're prowling about, seeing who's vulnerable, seeing who they can take advantage of. This is what Satan is doing. He likes easy prey. Satan, Satan is sort of lazy. Satan's like a burglar. You know a burglar is really lazy. burglar doesn't want to break into a house that's going to be hard. A burglar doesn't want to break into people who are waking up and knowing what's happening for the most part. A burglar wants it easy. You know, they say, say one of the best home security things is a big black dog that likes to bark. You know, because that makes it hard. You got a barking dog. That's going to make it hard. I don't want to deal with barking dogs. I don't want to deal with a lot. I want to find something that's easy. Turn your Bibles back with me over to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And, and let's notice what, the, what Peter now says to us. 1 Peter 5 and verse 9. says, but resist him. He's prowling about. Wanting to see who's vulnerable and who's not. Wanting to see the easy prey. And Peter says, resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same experience of that, that the same experience of sufferings 
are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So resist him. Be firm in the faith. James says, resist him and he will flee from you. Just like with Jesus, Satan came and tempted Jesus. Jesus quoted scripture every time. He was firm in the faith. And the Bible says that he went away waiting for a more opportune time. Jesus was too hard. It was just too hard to crack that one. So resist him. Be strong. Don't be vulnerable. Don't let down your guard for one second. Be prepared. Be ready. Make up your mind now before you go back to school. Satan also is a roaring lion. Now that roaring lion right there looks like he needs to brush his teeth. He's a roaring lion. He's looking to scare people. He wants to intimidate people. He wants to get you afraid so that you'll either be frozen or you'll make a mistake. You know it's said by those uh, ones who call on the phone debt collectors. Their job is to make you mad. I don't know if that's true or not. I've heard it from a reliable source. Their job is to make you mad because when you get mad, you're going to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. Satan wants to make you mad. Satan wants to make you afraid. Satan wants to intimidate you so that you do something you may not ordinarily do. In 1 Peter, go, go, to, go to chapter 3. And Peter deals with this. And in verse 13, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? And that's what we have to do. Resisting him, we have to be zealous. Be on fire. Uncompromising. That's what it means. An uncompromising partisan. Not to compromise one time for one second. Be zealous for what is good. Resist Satan. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. These servants of Satan, they want to intimidate you. And they're hoping to gain some advantage over you. As we talked about Sunday night, don't let them do that. Control yourself and your mind and your actions. Verse 15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Make the decision. You're going to follow out, follow Jesus. Sanctify him. Put Jesus in your heart as the person he is, Lord and Master of all. And keep him there. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always ready to make a defense for everyone who asks to give an account for the hope that's in you with gentleness and reverence. Verse 16. And keep a good conscience. Train your conscience with the word of God and be true to it. Never compromise. Never let down your guard. Always be zealous for what is good. Keep a good, good conscience. So that, that in the thing of which you are slandered, those who are by your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Four. Now verse 17. For it is better if if God should will it so that you suffer for what for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. You know, if Satan is coming and, and bringing his servants and waging a war and bringing an attack upon you, it's better to suffer for doing what's good than for doing what's wrong. 
So always do what's right. It's always the best choice. Satan is there trying to scare you into doing something you may not otherwise do. Paul says in First Peter, excuse me, in Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-eight, not to be alarmed by our opponents. It's a sign of destruction to them and a sign of salvation for you. I'll tell a couple of stories. Some of the young folks like me to tell these stories. Caleb Palmer. Uh, that, that, that there were some kids at school when I was in fourth grade. And two things happened. Number one, some boys got together and decided to steal my shoes. I was out on the playground. They stole my shoes. I still, <clears throat> to this day, don't remember how they got them. So they stole my shoes, and I had to have my shoes so I could go back into school. And so I had this problem. I want to tell you something I never told you before. I didn't retaliate, and I didn't try to get them back, and they never stole my shoes again. Now, the one that Kalen really likes, there were some boys who were out on the playground again, and they were going to make fun of me. I was a little heavy back then. and Well, I was heavier then than I am now. I'm still a little heavy. And so they decided they're going to call me Fat Turkey Gobble Gobble, going around, you know, Fat Turkey Gobble Gobble, Fat Turkey Gobble Gobble. I didn't retaliate. I didn't try to get them back. And they never did it again. Resist firm in the faith. Do what is right. Be zealous for good works. Don't let your guard down. Don't let them scare you into doing something you wouldn't do otherwise. Satan is the biggest bully of all. Don't let him bully you. Satan hopes you're not prepared. School, work, whatever it is. He hopes you're not prepared to go back to school to face some of those temptations maybe you've not had to face this summer. You've not been around some of those people and things such as that. He's hoping you're not prepared so that he has an advantage. Be prepared. Have a strong offense. Don't be afraid or intimidated. This is the key to victory. Have you decided to follow Jesus at school this year? Are you ready for the temptations you'll face? Preparation, preparing our minds for action is the key to success. Remember we read already in the scripture reading, Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 27. We must hear the words of Jesus and act. That's the wise person. You know many people hear the words of Jesus. Many people read the Bible, but not that many act to do what he says. Turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1, and Peter again is addressing this. He says, prepare your minds, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Notice he doesn't say Prepare your minds to be apathetic. He doesn't say prepare your minds to be lazy. He doesn't say prepare your minds just to go play church, make a good appearance. He says prepare your minds to act, to be proactive, to act. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Now remember 1 Peter 5, 8, first verse we read said to be sober. Satan is prowling about like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. He's your adversary, but be sober. How do you be sober? You've got to prepare your mind for action. 
fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Obeying God, obeying Jesus, obeying the word of God, be prepared for action. Control yourself with your mind. Do not allow yourself to be controlled with emotion. Now remember these false servants we read about just a little bit ago in 2 Corinthians. That these false servants of the devil, of Satan, what do they do? You look throughout the world, you look at false religion and false teachers, they are using emotion. Now emotion is a good thing when used in the right way. But they are using emotion to control people, rather knowledge from the word of God. We must train ourselves, be prepared with the word of God and allow that to control our bodies with our mind, not emotion. Mental preparation, sobriety is necessary for success. I want to look at just a few examples. I got these from uh, Michael Schmidt who used these uh, uh, with a little Bible class last Sunday with the young folks. Turn over with me to Daniel. I want to look at three things very quickly in the book of Daniel. Daniel was a young man. We don't know the exact age, maybe early 20s, maybe 18, maybe 16 years old. So all of you young folks, you can easily put yourself in his shoes. And his country was defeated by a foreign nation. He and many others were taken away in captivity, away from their parents, away from their homes, away from many of their friends, to live in another land being enslaved. Now, sort of think about that for yourself. If we were attacked by a foreign power and you were taken away from all that you know, from the, from the church, from the congregation here, from your parents, and now you are all alone being ruled over by a tyrant. That's his situation. Now verse 8, he found himself immediately that he was in a situation where these people wanted him to sin by the things they were eating, to eat things that were unlawful under the Mosaic law in which he lived. Now verse 8, Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, but Daniel made up his mind. I want you to understand this is where it started. Daniel made up his mind he was not going to do those things that were wrong, those things that were sinful, even to eat certain kinds of food. Now, you can imagine how easy it would be to justify doing that. That, you know, I'm living in a foreign land. I've been taken away from home. You know, I'm not around the people of God. I'm living in these circumstances. You know, things are different, and it's just eating certain kinds of food. It's not a big deal. He can easily justify this. Food is food. What's the big deal? You got to eat. Food is food. But it was wrong, and he made up his mind. And we must make up our mind, every one of us, not just going back to school. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be things that come about, and there's going to, they can be easy to justify. Oh, the economy's hard. It can be easy to justify. This is a different day and age. We don't have it easy like they used to have it. We can justify. It's just a little thing. It's just one time. We can justify. But he made up his mind. He wasn't going to justify. 
And he was going to do what was right. So he spoke up. He didn't just silently sit by. He didn't go with the flow. He went to the one in charge and he spoke up. And you remember how the story goes. We won't go into all that. I want to get to another story, and that's in chapter 3. And here are his friends. Again, easy to justify. You've been taken away from home. You're living under a tyrant. Here the tyrant makes this idol. He says, well, when the instruments play, he wants you to bow down. Well, that's not really God. That's not a big deal. We're just bowing down. That's a small thing. I'm still worshiping God. I'm still praying to God. I'm still doing all the things I should do. This is not a big deal. I'm not really doing it. But they refused to bow down to that idol. In chapter 3, verse 18, verse 16, look in your Bible and follow along with me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. This is the, 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 the second chance, you know. They didn't do it the first time. He liked these guys. I'm going to give you a second chance. Just do it this time. So they replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. In other words, hey, we already made up our mind. We didn't do it the first time. We're not going to do it the second time. We're not going to do it the third or the fourth or the tenth time. We don't even need to talk about this. If it be so, remember they were going to be thrown into this fiery furnace. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So no matter what you do, we're not going to do it. We have made up our mind. I meant to bring the story of the girl at Columbine. I've used that several times. I've shown her picture here. You know, she went to school, just a regular old everyday thing, you know, and had no idea that she was, she was going to be tested with the ultimate confession that day. As, as, a, as, a, as a student, held a gun to her head and asked whether or not she believed Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And I think as the story goes, before she could even answer, boom, he blew her brains out. I can't remember if that was the case or right if she answered. She had no idea. She had to be ready. I, got, I, no, I, I don't know what her religion is or anything. She had to be ready that day. And we have to be ready. We never know what's going to happen. We never know what the test is going to be. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were ready. They were prepared. They didn't care if they died in a blazing furnace that day. We're not going to compromise. And then go with me over to chapter 6. And this is Daniel. You remember that uh, other, other guys big up in the government, satraps, uh, they didn't like Daniel. And so, and so, they really sort of deceived the king into making a law. You can't pray to any deity or any man except for the king for 30 days because they knew Daniel was not going to compromise. So all we got to do is make a law where he would have to compromise. And we know Daniel, he's not going to compromise, so we really got him. Verse, verse 16. 
So then the king, seeing what happened, and he's been cornered, and he's got no choice because the law had been written. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, your, guard whom, your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. And you know, it's these hard times when we're faced to make these, these, these hard choices. These are the time that, times that we're really a light to the world and salt of the earth, and people can see. The king did not like what had happened and didn't know the law, didn't like the law that he had created unknowingly. But he knew Daniel was not going to compromise. Go a little bit further down to verse 23. The king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken out of the den. That's the next morning and everything was all right. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever, was found on him because he had trusted in God. And then go to verse 25. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. Daniel made up his mind. He was not going to compromise. He was prepared. And the law was passed. You can't pray. What did he do? He went right up there and prayed just like always and opened up the window just so everybody could see. He didn't care. But what did it do? It impressed Darius so much that he, he made a law that everybody's got to worship this God. Talk about being evangelistic. We've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. I've told you the story before of a girl who's a Christian. It was her senior year. She was voted to be homecoming queen. She said, I can't, I can't be homecoming queen. So why not? Well, because, because the queen has to dance with the king. I don't dance. I'm a Christian. So they changed what they do at the homecoming. There's no dance for the homecoming queen. And she got to be the queen. A couple other things. You know the kids here, I mean, we've got great young folks. And I've talked about them from time to time and some of the things that they're doing and their commitment. Hey, and there's been a few that I've ran into lately. Jake and Lauren. Lauren, I think you're in band, if I remember right, with Jake. And band camp was last week, and they got practice on Wednesday. And the director comes to Jake and says, look, I know you can't be there. You're going to be at church. Let's work this out. And the director already knew Jake is not going to compromise. I'm sure he knew the same thing with Lauren, too. So i got to work this out with them. You know, I'm the one that's going to have to change. They're not going to change. It's Wednesday night. They're going to be at church. Dawn, her band camp was on Sunday, and she just went and told the director, well, yeah, that's all right, but I can't be there Sunday. I go to church on Sunday. So they said, okay, we'll just change the schedule. We won't have band camp on Sunday. We'll just tag another day on the end. Well, you know, she said something. Other young people that missed ball games, concerts, told employers, I can't work on Sunday. I go to church. Not a one of them has been fired yet. <laughs> Not a one. Pam Michaels at work, i got to tell you that, and that's weird calling my daughter Pam Michaels, but you know, I put that down there on purpose to make sure I didn't mess up. Now, i got to tell you this one. I've told a few of the young folks this, but 
she started a new job, and, and one of the managers was trying to get her to drink, and Wood just bugging her, bugging her, bugging her, bugging her, bugging her. She finally said, look, it's against my religion. I can't drink. He didn't bother her again. I said, man, that's a good lesson. When, when you tell them it's against your religion, if they were to keep harassing you, then it becomes discrimination, and they could get in lots of trouble for that. It's all right to tell me. It's against my religion. I just can't do that. That's, that's a pretty good thing. That worked out really well. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you renewed that commitment? Maybe you made it a long time ago. Paul said, I die daily. He recommitted himself every day. Have you made that commitment? I'm going to follow Jesus this year. If you are prepared, you will be strong. If you're prepared... As the Lord would have us to be prepared, you will be strong. And you can overcome every temptation that comes your way. I, I'm not talking, uh, been, been, uh, not going to read the scriptures, talks about there's a way of escape provided with every temptation. Not talking about, we're going to talk about the day, the day, but we talked about it before. You can be strong. You can take that way of escape. There's no situation that God will ever put us in. Where we have to sin, there's always a way out. Even if it's, to, if it's to be thrown in the lion's den, even if it's somebody to shoot us in the head, no matter what, it is, there's always a way of escape. Go with me over to First Thessalonians chapter two. If we prepare ourselves, if we prepare ourselves with the Word of God, with the Word of God, you know, and 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 and, and young folks, you, you can't wait. Some of them are starting school on Monday. You can't wait to Monday morning and you say, okay, I'm going to prepare myself with the Word of God. you got to be working on it all the time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in the end of verse 13, Paul is talking about those at Thessalonica and how they received the Word which they preached. And, and, and near the very end of that, they received the Word of God for what it really is, which also performs its work in you who believe. We've talked about the fact that God's word was sent out. It does not re return to him void. You are going to be strong enough if you've prepared yourself with the word of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and that just doesn't mean being baptized. That's all the way through to the very end. Till you get that crown, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You're going to be strong because you're wearing the armor of God. I, turn over to Ephesians 6. I, I want to look at just a couple of verses, not in a lot of detail. And I want to show you a picture and then a movie clip, and it's, this is really, 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 really great. You're going to love this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In other words, have the strength that comes from God, that comes from his might, that comes from his superabundance of power. We're creating the universe as child's play. He said, you be strong in that. Now what does he say? Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. You can't leave any of it off. Every single piece. So that you will be able to, to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That's the tricks of the devil. Later on he talks about the fiery darts or the fiery arrows that he's going to be hurling at you offensively trying to get you to fall or take advantage of you. You're going to be strong enough. All of that can be dealt with. Verses 14 through 18 talks about the armor. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
with all power and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. So here's a Roman soldier, a picture of one who would be dressed like a Roman soldier. It's not literally a Roman soldier. Just a guy dressed up like one. And you can see that he's got the armor there and he's got the shield. You can see the shield there. Now I want to show you this video clip. This is of a group of them. They're in a block and they're using what is called the tortoise formation. And I want you to notice that with many there is more strength than with just one. So, so watch this video clip right here. And you see they have their shields up and their shields are up and all around them on all sides and even above. So they've gathered together in a formation to make this very fortified group more fortified than if there were just one. And so for us as Christians, as we are together, as we work together, as we help one another, there is strength in numbers. It is easier in numbers. Philip Tomley did a Bible study at the house just about a, two weeks ago, and it was for the, the, the older young folks. And we talked about why, about why it's important for us to be together and spend time together. Indeed, as we assemble together as Christians, that's the most important thing. But even together outside of that, with our spiritual relationships with one another, and even to go out and have fun together, that's important because there's strength in numbers. We shouldn't just come to church together, be at church together, and then go home and forget about each other. There is strength in numbers. We must be ready. If we're prepared, we'll be strong. And what must we do? Prepared with the word of God. Strong, wearing the armor of God. Obeying him. Working out our salvation. Reading and studying the Bible. Praying and singing. Alert in prayer. Assembling with the saints. And associating with each other from day to day. I want to conclude with two things. The first one is, is, is I want to read the, apostle, the, the, the prayer from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. And uh, this is his prayer for Christians to be strong. And you and I have this same strength available to us. And we should be praying for this strength. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he might grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with the fullness of God. Not a him who is able to do more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. According to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. To all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we are one of those generations. 
We're going to conclude our sermon with a prayer, and I've asked Jerry Flatt, if he would, to come forward, please, and lead us, lead us in prayer. Gracious and loving Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we can petition thee as our Father, that we can pray to you and know that you hear our prayers and that you answer our prayers. As we have been thinking this morning, our Father, in the lesson about those who are about to enter this school year, we pray for their safety as those who are here to begin college and to be away from their physical families, we pray for courage, we pray for strength, we pray for wisdom. Father, we realize that there will be decisions that they will make, who to select as their friends, what they will do as they have this freedom as they have become college students. We pray, Father, for wisdom from your word, that they will think about the things that they have been taught through their younger years, that they will remember those things and not succumb to temptation, not be affected by others around them who may be evil in their thinking, but that they would have the strength and the courage to be leaders, to be those who are steadfast in your word, who will always be strong in the faith, not compromise truth or compromise who's, who they are. We pray for the parents as they are separated from their children, for safety to their homes and for peace of mind for the care of their children. Father, we pray not just for those who are entering into college, but all the younger people of this congregation here, those who are entering high school and junior high and every grade within, within school. We pray for each and every one of them, for good things to be for their education, but especially that they would realize the importance of who they choose as their friends. We know, Father, through your word that there are warnings that are issued to all of us to be careful who we associate with, that those that are evil and those that are not concerned about spiritual things can influence us to do things that are wrong. Help us to have the strength and the courage to refrain from those type of people and be with individuals who can help us to be stronger in the faith that will encourage us in the doing of good things. Father, we pray for faithfulness for all of these young people. Father, we even have those who are teachers among us that have the opportunity to teach young people. We pray for strength and wisdom for them and for patience 
as they deal with the difficulties in the lives of so many. We pray that they would influence them for good, encourage them in every way that they can. Father, though we pray especially for those who are young of our number here and this time of year as they enter into the opportunities of education, we pray also for all of us, Father. We pray for strength and wisdom and for those who are older that they will influence the young ones, that we will be an example to others of that which is right. Help us to care for one another, to be concerned about the lives of every member here. Father, we glorify your name. We praise you and the things that we're doing here this day and the activities of this worship. But we also pray, Father, for the courage and the strength that as we live day by day that we will make the right decisions to serve you that we will be the right example before others who look upon our lives and that we might glorify your name in all that we do. We pray that you be with us as we continue with this service throughout all of our lives. Help us all to be focused upon heaven, to think about it every day, and to live our lives in such a way that we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of thy Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to get your song books out, we'll extend the gospel invitation number 280. I have decided to follow Jesus. Appreciate Tom leading that for us this morning as our invitation song. If you're not a Christian yet, the first thing you can do in following Jesus is to become one. We invite you to do that. What must you do? Simply believing in him, repent of your sins, confess that he is the Son of God, and be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. You'll be added to the church, and you'll have from this day forward that strength we've been talking about today. If you are a Christian, you've strayed away from the truth, you know what you need to do to reconcile back to God. Simply confess those things. We'll pray with you for forgiveness and ask the Lord to forgive you and You'll be washed once again in the blood of Jesus Christ. If we can help you at all this morning, I want you to come to the front now as we stand and sing.